On this edition of the program, live from London, we look back at the United States' off-off-year elections, Kentucky, Virginia, Ohio, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Because even from over here, some of these takes are stinky. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for Wednesday, November 8th. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you from a dreary, drizzly London, England. I am uh, here. Uh, we are we're going to be in Europe for the next few weeks. London now, Liverpool later this weekend, and then down to the Balkans for the rest of our trip. We're getting getting nuts, Zagreb style. But I'm not done yet. I'm not done with my political duties because we are officially within one year of 2024. The countdown is on. And that means off, off year elections. So let's go ahead and get you guys all of that information now. Good. Dare, well, great would have been Democrats running the Triple Crown. There were three races that we really wanted to pay attention to, and they won two of them. There was a lot of money put in to all of them. And we have some really, really big lessons. But let's start with the one that I'm the most surprised by. Because it was not but two years ago that your humble reporter was dispatched to Virginia. Virginia always has these weird off-year elections. And uh, Glenn Youngkin going up against Terry McAuliffe. People didn't give Youngkin much of a shot. All of a sudden, Yunkin finds the issue of schools, school boards. There was a particularly flagrant case that happened in Loudoun County, which is one of the more blue counties in Virginia, northern Virginia, essentially a D.C. suburb. Catches lightning in a bottle, bada bing, bang, boom. All of a sudden, Glenn Yunkin wins. And we brought you that for PX3. We were there on the ground. And I remember uh, being in that D.C. hotel, freezing. Oh, my God. It's an idiot. I went out there with my running shoes. It was cold. I was out in a field. Yunkin was an hour late because he was doing Hannity. Anyway, I remember saying, I don't know if this is going to be an upset, but the energy felt very upsetting. And since then, Glenn Youngkin has been a very popular governor of Virginia. 
since you cannot serve consecutive terms, this would essentially be, with the election last night, would essentially be his, you know, quote unquote reelection, right? Like th- this would be a validation by the state of Virginia that they like Glenn Youngkin or more specifically that they like the Virginia Republican party. And at the heart of the pitch that Glenn Youngkin has raised a lot of money to try to turn this Virginia legislature because both the house and the Senate, all the seats go up at the exact same time. It was a split house before. And as of right now, the Democrats own both. Uh, There are still some votes to be counted, but not enough to change the result. The state Senate, 17 Republicans, 21 Democrats. The state House, 47 Republicans, 51 Democrats. And the reason why I was very fascinated with this one, and I kind of suspected the Republicans would at least split the house, uh, split, split the chamber again, uh, if not win both is because Glenn Youngkin has been at the forefront of what I think is a likely landing spot in our national conversation on abortion. Glenn Youngkin has said he wants to push a 15 week restriction with full carve-outs for incest, rape, and health of the mother. This is slightly more liberal than the norm in most Western countries. Now, the United States is very odd on this because Roe versus Wade was a precedent that put things in this very odd legal limit, but it meant something, right? So now if you say Roe versus Wade versus a 15 week limit, which by the way, I think 98% of all elective abortions happen within 12, that by the numbers, if you just go and, and poll people, regardless of party by the numbers, 15 weeks is extraordinarily popular, but it's not Roe. And so The Democrats ran on, this isn't Roe, this is a restriction, and they won. And as we're going to get to in in, in a little bit in Ohio, it seems like there is, at least after this, a sign that there's an issue that motivates Democrats post Roe versus Wade being overturned. There is one issue, no matter what, that you can get Democrats to go to the polls and they will vote for. And that is the A word. So one last thing about Virginia. It is something that I believe you want to know what? I don't know if we did cover it on here. I think we might have only covered it on the stream on our, our Twitch stream, but a crazy story, crazy story in Virginia. This was for one of those, uh, Virginia house seats. This was a swing seat, a swing seat, you know, uh, pun not intended, but the Democrat in this case, Susanna Gibson 
was engulfed in a controversy during this race because there was a revelation that Gibson and her husband live streamed themselves having sex on a website where you see people live streaming themselves having sex. She lost her race by less than 1,000 votes. Still, though, if, if she came that close, then it shows you that the Democrats had a very good turnout operation. They had a very good, they had the winning message, and that is the tale of Virginia. Where does that leave Glenn Youngkin? Well, I think it would be, it would have been a fool's errand for him to run for president to begin with. I think that this race is kind of all but one already. But obviously him losing both houses is not the sign that he is the magic man in the vest that some people thought of him. Let's swing on over to Kentucky. This was, uh, oh, wait, sorry. I guess there was four races that, that really mattered. And Democrats won three of them. This was uh, the one that they were the most favored in. Andy Bashir, the popular Democratic candidate in, uh, uh, or Democratic governor in Kentucky, he wins over Daniel Cameron. Daniel Cameron is a rising star in the Republican Party, a protege of Mitch McConnell, Somebody that might wind up running for that seat now if Mitch, you know, lays down his sword because Daniel Cameron is not the governor of Kentucky. Andy Bashir remains that. The final there, 47.5 to 52.5. Polls showed this one closing a little bit late, but... Yeah, you know, Andy Bashir is, is is another one of uh, uh these these Democrats that are you know, they're they're of 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 a dying breed as the parties have really nationalized because Andy Bashir is a Democrat because a different version of the Democratic Party used to exist in Kentucky. Andy Bashir has familial connections to that Democratic Party and so there's a machine. The machine turns out the votes. That's that. Is Andy Bashir somebody to watch going forward? You know, the Democrats do love a Southern governor. Crossover candidate. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Is Andy Bashir on the short list? Uh, I would say yes. Let's get to <laughs> something that, all right, Demo Republicans got beat up last night. Republicans got it, man. They, they, they thought that there was some, some momentum and, and we're going to talk in the next segment about the, the concept of national versus local. Because I got some things that this absolutely means and this absolutely doesn't mean in the next segment. 
But still, there was Republican optimism coming into last night. Not so much. But they at least didn't get swept clean off the board. In Mississippi, Tate Reeves beats Brandon Presley 51.8 to uh, 46.9. That was a race that Democrats believe they could have the miracle shot in. It doesn't exist. It's still Mississippi. Not much to say beyond that. You, if if you've got money and you've got a candidate that breathes and you are a Republican, you should be winning in Mississippi. That's what happens here. I don't want to spend too much more time on it. Uh, sorry for anybody who is a Republican that wanted me to spend more time on their one win of the night, but I don't really have a ton to say about it. Finally, we played the, uh, the, the, the hilarious ad that came out earlier this summer for a precursor vote to this, but Ohio votes to make abortion protected by way of their constitution by a 56.6 to 43.4 vote. I got a lot more on Democrats and abortion and how they are going to run on it going forward. But here's the reality for Republicans. They don't have a singular plan. They don't have a singular message. They are divided. They are the dog who caught the car. And right now, the Democrats have a winning message. They are coming to take your freedoms. And the Republicans don't really have a counter message. Youngkins didn't work in Virginia and obviously in Ohio, which is a red state. It didn't work here. Also, smoke them if you got them. Because weed passed in Ohio, too. Which now, I guess, makes uh, the Buckeye stickers that the Ohio State players stick on the side of their helmet all the more poignant. All right. We are going to be back with my what this means and what this doesn't mean right after this. This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Folks, I'm in another country. And yet, you guys got a bonus episode on Monday morning. You're going to get a bonus episode on Thursday because I care for you. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Sign up at the $3 level. Get that bonus podcast. And it's going to happen over the next two weeks when we have our guest hosts as well, Tom Merritt and Kevin Ryan. They will both be giving you bonus content. But let's go ahead and get to your update. Tonight, the stars will come out. Well, some of them. A shorter list of them. For the Republican debate, what I think might be the final one of these jobbies. 
But it emanates from Miami. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley will be all but set up to fight each other. <laughs> That's essentially what's going to happen. They're going to be one of five people up there. DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, and Tim Scott. Asa Hutchinson, not there. Doug Burgum, not there. Should they drop out? Yes, they probably should have a couple weeks ago. But with only five people, you are going to see two candidates that are now deadlocked in Iowa, both of them 30 points behind Donald Trump. Donald Trump will be doing his own event in Hialeah, a couple miles away from where this debate will emanate. But they are going to try to differentiate themselves from each other as the only person who has a shot against Trump. Right now, Ron DeSantis is betting everything on Iowa. And in what I thought was a particularly dispiriting pre-debate memo, his campaign said, you know, even if he denies Trump a big victory, that matters. Woof. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But still... You never know. Ron DeSantis just got a big endorsement from Kim Reynolds. The governor of Iowa very rarely endorses. She has not only endorsed, but she took the risky endorsement, endorsing the person that was behind by dozens of points. And yet there's Nikki Haley. All anybody can talk about is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley's on the rise. Nikki Haley is dusting Tim Scott in South Carolina. Nikki Haley is tied with Ron DeSantis in Iowa. But... Now she's got the attention. Ron DeSantis has had the attention for a long time. Donald Trump has minted Nikki Haley with the nickname Bird Brain. So we will see what happens tonight. I will have a recap for you on the $3 club. I'm going to watch it the next morning and then uh, give you guys my thoughts. I'm not going to do the full breakdown, but we will uh, we will give you my uh, my thoughts on this. Here's my my little uh, thing that I'm looking for. Which Ramaswamy do we get? We got full Twitch political debate edgelord Ramaswamy in debate one and his numbers kind of tanked. So then we got very, very, very polite young man Ramaswamy in debate two Who do we get this time? And how will we possibly deal with a debate that is penciless? The House has officially censured Rashida Tlaib on Tuesday night over her outspoken criticism of Israel, with some Democrats joining all Republicans in supporting the measure. Representative Rich McCormick moved to censure Tlaib for what he called promoting false narratives about the Palestinian militant group Hamas's attack on Israel and, quote, calling for more destruction of the state of Israel. Now, you might remember that Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to censure Tlaib last week. That was shot down, including by members of the Republican Party. And the reason why was because Marjorie Taylor Greene sought to include language that a protest Talib spoke at that eventually made its way into 
the office buildings of the Congress folks, that that was an insurrection. She sought to tie that, you know, squint and it looks similar idea of political person speaks at a rally. The supporters of that rally then go on to do something that, you know, trespasses on to government facilities as an insurrection. Does Marjorie Taylor agree that that's an insurrection? No. Is she doing it so she can punish Democrats who called January 6th an insurrection? Yes. The Republicans said no to that, but they do say yes to censoring uh, uh, censoring Tlaib this week without the insurrection language. And by the way, at the heart of some of this, or at least in, to, in terms of the criticism of Tlaib from the Democratic side, is her insistence that the phrase from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, is not anti-Semitic or not calling for the destruction of Israel. At the root of this is an old trope, one that I have heard since the beginnings of when I followed this race and became politically aware. It's certainly something that I heard when I was in Israel, which is that the collective idea of the surrounding Arab nations to Israel, which have been at war with Israel since the moment Israel was formed, was that concept was referred to as pushing the Jews into the sea. Which is, you know, in in, in that euphemism, you know, almost uh, uh, cartoonish, right? It, 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 at least for me, it, it evoked the idea of, you know, uh, uh, Fred Flintstone picking up Dino and dropping him uh, outside of the Flintstones house, to give a modern reference. In reality, it means the destruction and elimination of the state of Israel. At least that's what push the Jews into the sea means. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Uh, you know, look, your your mileage is going to vary on exactly how much that seems similar to me. It seems similar enough. But then again, I don't think that we are particularly dealing with. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, this issue is is so, so charged and so fraught that. It's hard to even settle on commonly understood facts about it so you can have a reasonable discussion because everything is so, so, so politicized. It's politicized locally there. It's politicized internationally. And, you know, what we see and saw last night was that there still is a lot of inner party conflict between the Democrats. Hakeem Jeffries out and out said in a statement yesterday that from the river to the sea is divisive. Didn't say it was anti-Semitic. Said it was divisive. And finally, some more house news. 
not only there's a rumor. So this is, this is the news. I'll give you a rumor along with it. Speaker, uh, Michael Johnson says that, or the rumor is that he is leaning toward a laddered continuing resolution. This would mean that they would essentially be passing multiple different little versions of a continuing resolution. Whether or not that is a non-starter, we will see, but that's the rumor. Let's get to the news. House Republicans moved to reduce Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg's salary to $1. The salary cut for Buttigieg was put forth by Marjorie Taylor Greene and adopted by voice vote as an amendment to the 2024 Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development Spending Bill. Quote Green, Pete Buttigieg doesn't do his job. It's all about a fake photo ops and taxpayer funded private jet trips to accept LGBTQ awards for him. I'm happy that my amendment passed, but he doesn't deserve a single penny. The underlying bill does still need to be approved by the full house and is unlikely to be approved by the Senate. So there we go. And that's your update. TakePoliticsSeriously.com, where you need to go to support this show. And now, back to what last night means and what it doesn't mean. All right. This was a fascinating uh, uh, (laughs) episode for me to put together because normally... I'm watching all this data come in real time, obviously. I'm a junkie for politics. I'm often live streaming election results, so I am seeing numbers come in. I am watching the picture slowly sharpen into focus, and I am talking about what it means and what it doesn't mean as we go along. Because of the realities of this time difference and (laughs) the fact that I have to adjust to London time or UK time, I had to go to sleep right as actual results were coming in. And then I wake up and all the results are in a fully formed picture along with all the takes And oh my God, there's some good takes. There's some good takes. But Mother Mary and Joseph, are there a lot of stinkers, stinky takes. So here we go. I'm going to give you guys, in my opinion, what these results do mean and do not mean. Off, off year elections. You always got to be careful with what you take away. These results do mean, they do mean that Democrats should run on abortion. This might sound stupid. This might sound redundant. This might sound elementary. But I will remind you that the democratic president of the United States is running on the economy right now. And he's getting absolutely destroyed for it. Article came out this week that nobody, 
not in the Democratic Party, not in the reelection campaign, not in the White House, understands who put Bidenomics forth and why they're still saying it. Here's the winning message for Democrats. Republicans are taking away your freedoms. They overturned Roe versus Wade, and they're coming for more. That gets your base to vote. That's it. In the Senate can in the Senate campaigns, in the White House, in this next 12 months, whenever a Democrat opens their mouth, if what comes out is not. Republicans are taking away your freedoms and they want to take away more. Then the question should be, why did you say something else? And I'm going to say that that's not only the case for speeches and for commercials, but also for every day, like democratic candidates should be saying, honey, you had a really, really great game at softball. Did you know Republicans are taking away your freedoms and they're coming for more? I would like a Big Mac combo with a diet Dr. Pepper. Did you know Republicans are taking away your freedoms and they're coming for more? That's it. That's what it, it is the issue right now. And especially one in which it doesn't seem like there that there's there's roiling troubles internationally. There's roiling troubles domestically for Democrats, especially with Joe Biden. But that is a winner. We saw it last night. And more specifically, we saw it win on two different levels. And this is what's important about it. The Virginia rebuke of Youngkin is important because that was the Republicans coming to this issue with a more moderate and dare I say more popular version of this than they've ever had by the numbers more popular. Youngkin wasn't able to spell it out in a way that won. Ohio was not able to spell out why abortion rights should not be enshrined. Those are two different swings at that pinata and the Republicans whiffed on both. That means it's a winner for the blue team. If you don't take advantage of it, it is only your fault. Let's swing to Ohio for a second though, because by the way, Let's remember that Tim Ryan, a candidate that was thought to be running a good campaign, ran in the midterms against a neophyte in J.D. Vance for Senate and lost. Tim Ryan was just as pro-choice as that vote last night was. He lost. That abortion enshrined in the Constitution vote won. What does that tell you? Issues are more popular than candidates. 
So if what the Democrats want to do is drive people to the polls so they vote on things, what I suspect we are going to see are more of these direct to the people issue only votes in red states. Because trying to put them behind candidates is a lot trickier. That's a very, very interesting phenomenon that happened in Ohio last night. Because Tim Ryan, obviously he's running for Senate, so he's not you know running as a governor. But the issues are the same. So fascinating to see. I think it does mean that we're going to see more single issue statewide votes for Democrats in red states. And let, let me go back to the uh, uh, abortion thing on, on the Republican side for a second. Until the Republicans can coalesce around a position that they can sell credibly as common sense, they are going to get punished on abortion. And part of this is the hangover of the fact that they had tilted to evangelicals, you know, being against Roe versus Wade was a very successful and popular position for them because they could sell it as well. Roe versus Wade is overreaching on one side and then they could sort of wink to the far right, no abortion ever evangelicals and say, yeah, but also we really want this. And now they're paying for it. Generally, you don't see political messaging coalesce and harden until it wins. And right now, if there's a counter at RNC headquarters, days since we've settled on a successful abortion message, it's zero. And it's going to be zero at least until next year. Because until you see some kind of utility for the abortion message from the Republican side, then it will be a liability. It will be a liability. And I, I, I think at this point, there's enough to say that it's a liability that swings elections, wins elections for the other side. So let's get into what this doesn't mean. These were some stinky takes I saw on the old X marks this spot. These results do not mean that Biden is not in trouble in 2024. The, the polls that came out over the last few days have been reflective of the fact that Joe Biden is a sub 40% approval rating. He has been decimated by inflation. He is seen as too old. And he is vulnerable to Donald Trump. Let's not forget that Joe Biden barely beat Donald Trump by a hair and it took 
a lockdown of, you know, a pandemic, riots through the streets for Biden to do it. So I do think Biden is vulnerable to Trump. I do not believe that these results change my thought on the 2024 election. In large part because Joe Biden has a run on abortion. <laughs> I mean, that to me is the thing. Like, like, all right, Kentucky is Kentucky. Do you have these weird states where the Democratic Party in the South is really strong because they've always been really strong? You know, anybody who who is convinced that at some point in the mid 60s, all the Democrats became Republicans and all the Republicans became Democrats. Just please understand there are very, very strong Southern Democratic parties that are rooted in the fact that there were very strong Democratic parties in the South back when the Democratic Party stood for a lot of different things. That being said, the races that I thought mattered the most turned on abortion. The referendum in Ohio and the fact that Youngkin was out there trying to sell a moderate version of a Republican solution. Only to be denied. That's what matters. This has nothing to do with Joe Biden. This has nothing to do with Palestine and Israel. Don't get too caught up about the nationalization of politics. The thing that matters going forward in terms of all these other races, abortion, abortion, abortion. And finally, I, I don't know. This might have just been one person that was like, oh, where's your precious polling oracle now? I don't know where. I mean, look, I, 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 I had seen a little bit of polling on these races. They all seem pretty close to me. They all turned out pretty close. Take polling seriously, but not literally. If. A fortune teller in a, in, in, in a D&D campaign came to your camp and told you a prophecy. You know, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. We should take it kind of seriously, but not literally. Don't literally think everything that, that, is, that is said there is going to happen. It's a flicker in the flames. Now, does that mean that everything that we've seen about Biden should take it seriously? Not literally in 2024. We're about to get buried in polling from now until next November. I'm begging you guys. Let's have a healthy attitude toward polling. That's what I, I need. I just need from you guys a healthy attitude. It's seriously, not literally. Seriously, not literally. Let's understand that some people ask some other people their opinions on these issues. Let's understand that it's hard to get these the, the, this data collated. Take their work that they did seriously. Good for you for doing the work. Not literally. It's not a prophecy. It's just a way to understand. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio, based in Austin, Texas, but on location 
in London, England. Of course, you can email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Find the show on Twitter, px3tweets. Find me, Justin R. Young. Uh, you can usually find me on Twitch. I, I, I might be popping on live a little bit while I'm out and about. Letter P, letter X, number three, live.com. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy. Letter P, letter X, number three, podcast.com. You can support us, paypal.me slash payjury, if you'd like to send me a one-time donation, justin-young-20 on Venmo. Cash app is px3cash. You can send me anything that you'd like in the mail. Post office box, 1531 84 Austin, Texas 78715. Again, that is P.O. Box 153184. Austin, Texas 78715. The only way to get our bonus content is takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we missed on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the podcast, like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Ye old pinball shop, John, TP4 Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy Mack, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian, Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Checkers, Sarah, Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, Neil, his nerdiness Charles, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley Steven, Nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor. Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D-Laser, Nick Wood, just another pilot, Middle-Aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, The Gen, D, really? Chopper, Andrew, Adam, and Gloria, my mom. If you would like your name read on the show, head on over to the TakePoliticsSeriously.com site, sign up at the $10 level, and join... This vanguard, the vanguard of listeners who march, lead us bravely into 2024. We're here now. We're in the end game now, friends. It's time. Don't get scared now. All right. uh, No Friday episode today. I know. I know. I know. No Friday episode. This is, uh, if you are at the $3 level, then you will hear me break down the debate. And that'll be the last that you will hear of me until Thanksgiving. So for a lot of you guys, you guys know Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love it. We're going to be flying directly from Europe to the... uh, greatest state in the union, Florida, to be with my family for Thanksgiving. I'm going to be tanned, ready, and rested. Well, not really tanned. It's dreary out here. But I will be ready and rested to take on 2024 when you next hear me on this feed. Till then, though, friends. A reminder that some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss Oh, three.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.